That is far more than a songwriter's theme. That's the clear teaching of the Word of God. Would you take a Bible this morning or look on close with somebody near you? Join me in reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'd like to start at the first verse, read through verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And it was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church, the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you have believed. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ is risen from the dead. Would you stand as we sing about that, please? Scorned by the ones he came to save Till 
On that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay. Light of the world by darkness say, then bursting forth in glorious day, cut from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine. standing for prayer. I love Christmas, but this is it. This is the bottom line. He has indeed risen. He has risen. This morning, Father, we come to you and we just ask that you would find what we bring to you this morning in worship to be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Father, just help us to remove the things that might stand in the way of that. Clear our minds, and Father, may we look to you for the, for the precious hope that you bring that this day represents. Father, we thank you for the gift. Father, being God, we thought there might have been an easier way, but because you were God, that was the only way. And we thank you that you cared for each of us enough to bring that gift. Father, today, just give us a little glimpse of what that cost really was. Father, just help us to, uh, to look to you with a new appreciation, with a new love, with a new caring. And Father, may we leave here rejoicing, and, and Father, with a willingness to share for brothers and sisters who don't know you as Savior. So once again, we just ask that you would find our worship to be worthy, and we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For everybody who came in here this Sunday morning and you've got a big burden of emotion and care that you brought in on your back, for other folks that might have limped in here because physically maybe things just ain't all that great this morning, for everybody here this morning that maybe you've gone through some big challenges in the past week, and for everybody else who's going to go through some in the days ahead. I got some good news for you this morning, folks. Christ is risen. Oh, let's try that one more time. Christ is risen. 
Amen. Let's sing together. Number 216. Christ arose. singing. Some of you sing really well on full stomachs, especially all that I saw some of you eating there this morning. It's kind of an amazing thing. We are thrilled that you're here with us today. Friday is history, and we are here on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are so thankful that you're gathered here in this place for the purpose of worshiping a risen Savior. I want to welcome everybody that's visiting from out of time, out of town. Uh, thankful to have some of our family here with us from out of town. I know some, I think the Coleman's have about 15 from their family that are here, and I see some others as well. We're uh, glad you're all here this morning and, and worshiping with us today. 
We appreciate all that helped with the Good Friday service. Had a, I think, a real God-glorifying time remembering the crucifixion of our Savior on Friday. And we appreciate all the fellows that were involved in, in putting together the breakfast this morning and then serving that. In fact, any guys that were involved in that, would you stand up right where you're at so we can just kind of recognize you a little bit? Those guys, some of those guys are here at 6 o'clock this morning getting things ready, and I wanted them identified, so if you're sitting close to them and you see them nod off during the message, would you poke them in the ribs, please, especially if they start to snore? Uh, we don't want that to happen. Uh, those of you that are visiting with us, we're going to be receiving an offering in, in a moment, and that's primarily for folks from the church family here. If you're visiting, um, we don't expect you to give a thing. We just want you to go away with a blessing and a great time of worshiping the Lord together. We extend our sympathy to Ruth Venema's family. She went to be with the Lord this past week, and we will be having her funeral here at the church tomorrow at 11 o'clock. The only visitation that will be will be starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning right here at the church. Please remember her family in prayer. And boy, when... Uh, the, the resurrection of Christ is so meaningful, isn't it? When we have loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord. And uh, even as we gather tomorrow to, to uh, comfort the family, the greatest comfort there is, is that Christ is risen. And he's become the first fruits of his own who are also going to rise from the dead. We uh, welcome to our church family, uh, Richard and Shirley Forshe and Shelby and Sarah Campbell, who were voted into the membership last Sunday night. I don't believe the four she's made it this morning, but uh, Shelby and Sarah here, so be sure to give them a welcome. also want to uh, share some, some news with you that uh, uh, Becky Seagroves is now officially engaged. We knew that it was coming, but uh, her fiancé's name is... Fiancé's name is Long, and this guy made, made a lot of us guys look bad. He laid out a, a tarp in the backyard, put will, will you marry me on it in white duct tape, and then got her up in an airplane so she could look down and get that question. Uh, the only thing that would have topped that is if they'd have gone skydiving then and she'd have said yes on the way down. But, uh, maybe that's an idea for somebody else in the future. I don't know. I uh, just also want to let you know there will be no youth group. Uh, or Awana this Wednesday night. But uh, we will still gather for prayer and Bible study for the adults. Anybody else that wants to come out, welcome to as well. As we uh, receive the offering, let's ask God to bless it and use it for his honor and his glory. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the fact that we have a risen Savior in whose name we gather. And Father, we want to worship you now, worship him now by bringing a portion of what you've given to us and giving it back to you to be used for your honor, your glory, to further the cause of Christ in this community and around the world. Lord, we pray that you would use these gifts and these offerings for that very purpose. Give us wisdom and help us to be diligent, Lord, as we even distribute these gifts for you. Lord, we ask now that you would bless the gifts, bless the givers, but we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let no one caught in sin remain inside the lie of inward shame, but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for us. Freely you have bled for us. Christ is risen from the dead, trembling over death by death. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with him again. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Beneath the weight of all our sin, you bow to none but heaven's will. No scheme of hell, no scoffer's crown, no burden great can hold you down in strength. Christ is risen from the dead, trembling over death by death. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with him again. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. And oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, and where is your victory? Oh, church, come stand in the light. The glory of God has defeated the night. And oh, death, and where is your sting? Oh, hell, and where is your victory? Stand in the light. Our God is not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Christ is risen from the dead. Trembling over death by death. Come away. Come away. Come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come away. Come away, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are over death by death. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave.
shall see Jesus just as he is once on a hillside people gathered hoping to see him as thousands were fed. He touched the blind eyes, healed broken spirits, and moved with compassion as he raised up We shall see 
Thank you, Jerry. Just stand together once again, please. Number 229. Hope you believe it this morning. Our God reigns. Number 229. How lovely are the
idea that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ around here. Let me tell you why we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ around here. It is because it is a proven historical fact. We're not just taking a a blind leap out in the dark. The resurrection is proven by history. We find that uh, we, we, have, we start off with the, the predictions of the Old Testament. And you say, well, how can you talk about prophecy being proven historical fact? Well, the fact of the matter is, well, when God gives prophecy, basically it is history pre-written. When God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it does. That's the case with the resurrection. God said that the, the, the Messiah, His Holy One, was not going to remain in Sheol. 
He said that his body would not see corruption. He gave a, a picture of the resurrection when he had Jonah spend three days and three nights in the belly of that fish and then brought him forth alive. Uh, so we find that we have prophecy. We also have eyewitness testimony. Uh, we read in the Gospels, in all four of the Gospels, we have the record of, of eyewitness testimony, people that saw the resurrected Christ. We, we read a passage a little while ago from 1 Corinthians 15 that says that on one occasion, 500 people uh, at one time saw the resurrected Christ. He, he spent 40 days uh, showing himself periodically to different people to prove that he was risen from the dead. So that is all eyewitness testimony that can be depended upon to tell us that Jesus Christ really did rise again. Uh, on top of that, we have the impact that the risen Christ continues to have on the world in which we live today. We're gathered here on the first day of the week instead of on the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, for one basic reason, because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Every church that meets on the first day of the week is a testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for many of us here, our changed lives, as a testimony to the resurrection of Christ. I can't tell you what the Lord's done for me in my life, but everything that, that takes place in my life is a testimony to the resurrection of Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus is a, a proven historical fact. And because it is, that is a great starting place in, in a number of different areas. And we're going to look at four of them this morning. First of all, it's a, a great starting point for evidencing the identity of Jesus Christ. You want to find out who Jesus is? Uh, go to the resurrection of Christ. Sometimes you know, there have been books written about the, the search for the historical Jesus. Who is he? Who was he? Well, we go to the resurrection and we find out who Jesus is. We find the resurrection of Christ is a great starting point for the uh, energizing of the ministry of the apostles, men who turned the world upside down and I guarantee you, when, when they walked with Jesus, they didn't have that kind of power. They didn't have that kind of energy. The resurrection of Christ is a great place for ensuring the forgiveness of our sins. We all know we're sinners. How do we know that we can really be forgiven for all the sins we've done? Well, we go to the resurrection of Christ. And then as far as our faith, the resurrection of Christ is the greatest thing that there is. For, energi for, for encouraging our faith, helping us to continue to trust in the Lord. We find that as far as determining who Jesus is, I direct your attention to the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we read the first four verses there, and we see the part that the resurrection plays in establishing who Jesus is. The Apostle Paul writes, Paul is a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and get this, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. What's the resurrection tell us about the identity of Jesus? It tells us, according to this passage of Scripture, that He's the Son of God. 
And when it declares him and shows him to be the Son of God, it's not talking about the fact that Jesus is the, the offspring of God. But rather, the thing that's being emphasized is that the sameness in nature. Basically this, Jesus is God. And that lines up with the teaching we have elsewhere in Scripture. Go back to John chapter 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, that's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Help me out here. And the Word was God. And you get down a little further to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus. And it also goes on tells us that everything that was created, He created. Uh, directly connected to the resurrection of Jesus is the, uh, his identity as God and divine Messiah and Savior and Lord who is prophesied throughout the Old Testament Scripture. What's the resurrection tell us about Jesus? It tells us that one of these days you're going to see him sitting on the throne. It, it tells us that he is the God to whom you are accountable and to whom I am accountable. And if you have any doubt as far as the identity of Jesus Christ, you have to go back and try to somehow explain away the resurrection. And there were those even in the first century who tried to do that. The, the Jewish authorities tried to get the, the soldiers to say, well, uh, they, they, the apostles came and stole his body while we slept. And they came up with, with explanations that hold absolutely no water whatsoever. The simple fact of the matter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven historical fact and, and it tells us who Jesus is. He is God. We also find the, the uh, resurrection of Christ is responsible for energizing the ministry of the apostles. Uh, as you go back and you read the gospel accounts uh, after, the res after the crucifixion of Jesus, where do we find the apostles? This, this, this band of men who had followed Jesus for three and a half years uh, Judas is gone now. And in John chapter 20, we read that they're gathered together, kind of consoling each other. But it tells us in John 20 and verse 19, they were in a locked room because they were fearful of the Jews. The same Jewish leaders who were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus, they, they were afraid they were going to come for them next. So these guys are, are in secret, and they got the doors locked. And they, they're, they're discouraged, and they're, they're downtrodden, and they're beaten, and, and what a sad thing. We read in Luke 24 how when Jesus comes upon two of his, his apostles on the Emmaus Road, he finds them discouraged, and he engages them in conversation, and they, he asks them about the events that had taken place in Jerusalem, and they say to him that, by the way, they didn't recognize Jesus right away. And they say to him, are you the only one that doesn't know what took place here in these last days? There was this Jesus of Nazareth. And we thought he was going to be the Messiah. But they tortured him. And they killed him. And these poor, discouraged, downtrodden men said, and now it's the third day. And they saw the third day as being the, the, the absence, complete absence of any hope. But in reality, if you recognize what Jesus had prophesied, what did, he, what did he told his disciples? He says, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things, and I am going to die. But he told them repeatedly, on the third day, I will rise again. 
But instead of these guys seeing it as being a reason for expectation, they see it all the more reason to be discouraged. In fact, when they got word from some of the women that they'd been to the tomb and they saw the tomb was empty and they had the angelic message that he is not here, he is risen, why do you seek the living among the dead? And they came back to tell these guys about it. Uh, They're just women, what do they know? You know, they didn't believe it. They were very skeptical. How could how could he really have risen from the dead? And so they're discouraged. They're not looking for the resurrection, and they're skeptical when they they hear about the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. We find that the resurrection takes place, and for the next forty days after the resurrection, Jesus makes repeated appearances to these apostles. We read about some of it in 1 Corinthians 15, a little earlier in the service. We see descriptions of it in in the gospel records, particularly in the gospel of John. We find that on one occasion in chapter 20, they're gathered together and Thomas isn't with them. And the Lord appears to them. Even though they got the doors locked, Christ gets into that room with them. And they're they're overwhelmed, but they hardly believed it for, for joy. And then when they tell Thomas about it, you remember Thomas's response? Ah, couldn't happen. In fact, I won't believe unless I can put my fingers into the nail prints in his hand and put my hand into the spear wound in his side. You know, when you miss a Sunday evening service, you always miss something. <laughs> Thomas missed a Sunday evening gathering of the believers, didn't he? He missed something. And he continues to be skeptical. And then a week later, what happens, folks? The, the believers are gathered together. The 12 are gathered together, those that were left. And, and Thomas is with them this time. And what happens? Jesus shows up, makes another appearance to them. And this time, Thomas sees him face to face. And did he put his fingers into the nail print? His hand into his side? No, he dropped to his knees. And he said what? My Lord and my God. And Jesus' response to him was, you you believe because you saw. Blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. You know, that's us. We haven't seen Jesus, have we? We have eyewitness accounts, and we believe those reliable eyewitness accounts, and Jesus pronounces a blessing upon us. You go over to Acts chapter 1, and he's, uh, they're, they're with the Lord Jesus, and they're, they're on the mount, and they're asking him questions about when he's going to come back again. And we find that there he gives them a a commission to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And add that to the other commissions he had given to them about going into all the world and preaching the gospel and and making disciples and and baptizing them and continuing to teach them the things the Lord had commanded. So over over a multitude of, of over 40 days, they get to see Jesus is alive and what happens to these guys? Well, you go over to Acts chapter 2, and here it is, the day of Pentecost. Great celebration. Jewish people gathered from all corners of the, the world of that day, and they're gathered there to, to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And here you have a public assembly of the apostles, and Peter stands up to preach. And he preaches boldly that Jesus, who you crucified, God has made to be... Lord and Messiah and Savior. And they're, they're cut to the heart, we're told. 
and ask, what should we do? And he teaches them to repent, put their trust in Christ, and then to be baptized in his name. These are the guys that were behind the locked doors just not too long before that. And here they are proclaiming Christ publicly. You go on through Acts, and you find in Acts chapter 3 to 5, carrying on public ministry and and people being added to the church daily through the, the faithful proclaiming of the risen Christ. And that was the foundation of their message. They preached above all that Jesus is risen from the dead. The one who had been crucified is alive. We've seen him. And you need him as your Savior. Get over to Acts chapter 4 and 5 and you see persecution taking place. The apostles are arrested. They're commanded not to speak anymore in that name. They, they still go on and do it. In fact, they, when they're told not to preach in the name of Jesus, they say, we, we can't help but do what God's told us to do. And in fact, what, what, what you think about it doesn't really matter. I'm paraphrasing here. Well, you do, what you think about it doesn't really matter, but we've got to do, we've got to obey God rather than man. So they throw them in prison, and they threaten them. And they finally do let them go after they've beaten them. By the way, God gets them out of prison on one occasion, and they can't believe they're back there preaching again. But anyway, they're beaten again, and we're told the apostles went out, and they rejoiced that they've been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. What changed these men? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, we go on, and we... We see from church history that these men went and they, they, they obeyed Jesus. They went out from Jerusalem and they went to, to India. They went to Greece. They went down into, over to northern Africa. They went around to, to their known world as much as they could. And every one of them, except the Apostle John, ended up being martyred. Uh, quoting a fellow by the name of uh, Schumacher, who did some research in the lives of the apostles and then then wrote a church history. This is based on church tradition, not, not Scripture, but probably very reliable church tradition. It says, Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound. Mark, he wasn't an apostle, but he was closely associated with him, died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke, also not an apostle, but closely associated with Paul, and, and an author of the Gospel of Luke, as well as the book of Acts, used by the Holy Spirit for that, says Luke was hanged by idolatrous priests on an olive tree in Greece as a result of the tremendous preaching to the lost. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death. John was then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos, and there God used him to write the book of Revelation. Peter was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross because he told his tormentors that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus was crucified. And you go on down through here. I'm not going to read the rest of them. Look it up. Google it on the Internet. Deaths of the Apostles. And you get the record of how all of these men died and died faithfully and died for the message that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's the only Savior the only mediator between God and man who can redeem us and enable us to be reconciled to God and have a relationship with God and have our sins forgiven. They preached that message every place they went, 
and were told they needed to shut up and not tell that message. But they kept on preaching, and they kept preaching, Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. Every place they went. And a lot of times, all they had to do was keep quiet and stop preaching that, and they would not have been killed. But you know what? They kept preaching it, and they died, and they were not dying for a lie. In fact, men don't die for what they need know to be a lie. You know, there have been people that have given their lives for a, a lost cause, but they were deceived. We have some of these suicide bombers that, that are fanatical Islamists, and they, they blow themselves up. But these men are deceived when they kill themselves. Die a, a martyr's death. I hate to even call them martyrs. We find that these men knew for sure that Jesus was risen from and they would not die. If they, if they somehow knew Christ, oh, he really hadn't risen from the dead, you better believe some of them would have recanted. Nobody dies for what they know to be a lie. We find that uh, it's the resurrection that transformed them. These fearful men, men who were overcome by fear and discouragement, and they became a force that God used to turn the world upside down. What made the difference? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the resurrection also ensures the forgiveness of our sin. The resurrection of Jesus authenticates the, the claims that he made as to the, his purpose for coming. And he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to what? I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many, a payment price for our sin. He, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. He came to, to indicate he was going to die for our sins. And the, the, the whole New Testament goes on and emphasizes that. Isaiah 53 gives a, a beautiful description of how the Messiah was going to, to be beaten and, and be wounded and be bruised. And it would all be about, about us, about our sins, about our iniquities. That's what he came for. And the resurrection fulfills Jesus' prophecy that he would die and rise again on the third day. It shows he keeps his word. It's an integral part of the gospel. We read 1 Corinthians 15 a little while ago as far as what the gospel is. What is the gospel? Christ died what? For our sins according to the scriptures. And what's it say right after that? He rose again the third day, once again, according to the Scriptures, to prove that his death for our sins was effective, to prove that his sacrifice was accepted. You see, sin and death go together. God told Adam in the garden, he says, the day you eat of that forbidden fruit, you will surely die. And he ate the fruit. He died spiritually that day. He began to die physically that day. And his whole race, which includes you and me, are born into this world spiritually dead and mortal people. Now, from the day you were born, you were doomed to die. And now we're, now we're on that road, right? Some of us dying a little quicker than the others. Some of us a little further down that road than, than others are. Although, you know what? None of us knows what a day is going to bring forth. People buy, die in their 20s, don't they? People die in... As children, we don't know how long we're going to be here. But thank God, there's victory over sin. There's victory over death. 
And it's all wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he didn't rise again, as we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, you're yet in your sins. You know, your faith is futile. It, it doesn't mean anything. If he didn't rise again, we're of all people the most miserable. But I got good news for you this morning. Christ did rise again. And he's become the first fruits of all others who will rise again. And when he rose again, he proved that he is who he claimed to be. And he proved that his sacrifice was effective to wash away all of our sins. In fact, we're told in Romans chapter 10, when it comes to you and me believing in Jesus, what are we supposed to do? First of all, we're supposed to confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And we're supposed to believe in our heart, what? That, that God has raised him from the dead. An integral part of our salvation from sin, our saving faith, is believing that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That's the stamp of approval upon his sacrifice. Uh, Jesus shouted out as he died on the cross, it's paid in full. And when he rose from the dead, God the Father stamps over it again. Yes, it is indeed paid in full, and I have accepted the payment, and people who put their trust in Jesus can be forgiven. Any sinner can be forgiven. That's good news, because you know what? We are an assembly of sinners this morning. Every single one of us. Maybe we sin in different ways. Maybe we sin in different degrees. But we're all sinners. And you know what we need? We need the forgiveness of God. And it's available. It was paid for, and a great price was paid through the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And its acceptance is guaranteed by the resurrection. Fourth thing we want to talk about this morning is the fact that the, re the, the resurrection of Jesus is a good starting point when, when, as far as encouraging our faith. Fact of the matter is, questions and doubts arise. I, I won't ask this morning how many of you don't ever question, don't ever have any doubts about God, about the Bible, about salvation, because I don't want to make you liars. And I think anybody that would raise their hand would be a liar. i got to tell you, sometimes doubts pop into my mind. And they really come from three different directions. First of all, Satan is the tempter. And one of the things that he does in tempting us is he, he tries to get us to question God. And to question God's word. He did that back in the Garden of Eden. What did he do with Eve? He has God said, you'll surely die. And then he flat out denies it and says, you won't die. He does the same thing with us sometimes. Is there really a God? You haven't ever seen him. How do you know he's there? Is, is heaven real? Or is it just something that people hope for whenever they get face to face with death? Can you really believe the Bible? Can you really believe what the Bible says about creation? You know, we got all kinds of scientists that question the Bible. The temptation, the, 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 the temptation to doubt and to question comes when Satan plants thoughts in our mind. It also comes with attacks that come on God and his word in our fallen world that we live in. And we have those attacks coming all the time. And I'll tell you, a lot of times where they start 
is attacking the Word of God, attacking the book of Genesis, attacking the whole idea of, of creation. We had a chance to go on vacation a few weeks ago and get down to Florida and suffer for the Lord walking on the beach in a swimming, you know, swimming suit and T-shirt and hat to keep the sun off, you know, so we don't get too hot or anything. And one of the things we did is we, we picked up shells and we picked up shark's teeth. You know, the, the, the little black, some, some of them are fairly decent size, but they're, they're petrified shark's teeth. And it was kind of neat. I think we picked up maybe 100 or so of them. i got a brother-in-law that's probably got 10,000 of them. I don't want to walk around that much with my head down like that. You know, you miss an awful lot if you do that. But, but it was neat finding some, almost as much fun as finding golf balls when you go in the woods and stuff. But I picked up a book about shark's teeth. I wanted to learn about shark's teeth. And you open it up, sure enough, first page, you know what you find? Well, these petrified shark teeth came from this kind of shark 10 million years ago or whatever. And they start feeding you this whole line. And, you know, you get, you get that garbage all over the place. Questioning the whole idea of a six-day creation. Probably less than 10,000 years ago or certainly not more than 10,000 years ago. But you get bombarded with that. And then... Another thing that causes doubts and questions that come up sometime, experiences of life that you go through that you just don't understand. As I look around the room here this morning, I see some of you here that have, have gone through an awful lot in your life. It just seems like you've been bombarded with one thing after another. And then I look around, I see some others that God's been very good to you. You, know, you haven't seen, at least to my knowledge, you haven't had to seem to deal with a whole lot of difficulties in your life. Now, why is that? Some people seem to have so much on them. Now, re remember that sometimes we look at what we think people are going through, and they may be going through a whole lot more than what we see or what we, we know. But you know people, don't you? where it just seems like they get through one trial and there's another worse one waiting to come upon them. A whole lot of things we don't understand. Sometimes we don't understand how quickly, how early in life God takes some people home. Sometimes we don't understand why, why other people God leaves here so long. Even when they've lost their ability to, to think and reason go through personality changes and things like that. God's in charge, but, and, but we can't help sometimes but wonder. Sometimes we wonder, why does this husband and wife that would be tremendous parents, they love children, they would be good to their children, and they, they just don't seem to be able to have children. And then the, sometimes there's people that don't have a clue what to do with their kids except abuse them and seem like they can pop them out one after another every 10 months or whatever. So we go through some life experiences and it, we don't understand. Now as we go through those things, as you go, have those tempting thoughts, as you see some of that bombardment that comes upon you from the world, as you have some of these experiences you don't understand and, and it shakes you up a little bit, let me encourage you to do something. Go to the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
And that is a starting point for undergirding our faith. Everything rests upon it. We find that uh, the resurrection of Jesus, first of all, proves the existence and the character of God. Is there a God? Well, I'll tell you what, there was a man who claimed to be God, and they killed him. And three days later, what happened? He rose from the dead, and this is proven historical fact. Based on that, there just might be God. And he's a good God. He's a God like Jesus. He's a powerful God. You know, I don't have a bit of trouble believing that God could create Adam out of the death, the, the dust of the earth and then breathe life into him. Because what happened at the resurrection? A man who had been dead for three days was raised to a glorified resurrection body, one that was capable of ascending to glory 40 days later. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves the power of God. It proves the authority of the Bible. What did Jesus say about the Old Testament? He said the Scriptures can't be broken. He said heaven and earth may pass away, but my word, what? Will never pass away. He also indicated to the apostles they were going to get additional revelation from the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit was going to lead them in all truth, and they ended up writing that down, and that's how we got our New Testament through Christ's apostles, for the most part, and those closely associated with them. Can we really believe the Bible? Go to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that historical fact, and it proves the validity of the Scripture. It proves the certainty of our resurrection and our victory over death. How can I be so sure this morning that one of these days I'm going to be given a glorified resurrection body? How can I be so sure that tomorrow morning when I share with the Venema family that, that, they're, they're, that Ruth is one of these days going to be raised from the dead to a glorified resurrection body, not an 81-year-old body, but a glorified resurrection body, how can I be so sure as I, I provide though those words of comfort to them, I can be so sure because Jesus is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of all others to be raised from as in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. That's how we can be so sure. The resurrection of Jesus proves the value of saving faith. And why should I believe what Jesus, that Jesus' death was really sufficient to cleanse me from my sin? Because God accepted it and raised him from the dead. That's how. That's the stamp of vindication, the stamp of verification. His promise is real. It also proves the wisdom of walking by faith. Jesus walked by faith. We read in Philippians 2 that we should let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus, and it talks in that passage about how he humbled himself, became a man, became obedient, even to the point of death, even death of the cross. And he did that continuing to trust in the Heavenly Father and went through all of that suffering. And now what happened? Then the Father began to exalt him. 
And the first step in exaltation was to raise him from the dead. And the final step in exaltation, we're told in that passage, is when you and I are going to bow before him and we're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God. Uh, Jesus walking by faith was vindicated. And if we'll follow him in walking by faith, the same shall be true in our life as well. Worth it to walk by faith. In fact, in connection with that, we get to the end of that whole chapter on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. And we've just touched on a couple of the highlights in that chapter this morning. I encourage you to read it. You get down to the end of that chapter based on the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, based upon the reality of the gospel, based upon what his resurrection means to our forgiveness for our sin, based on what it means for resurrection that we're going to experience as well, uh, based on what it means on you and me being changed in the twinkling of an eye, based on all that, the conclusion of it all is, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because your labor in the Lord, because of the resurrection of Christ, is not in vain. So keep believing. You start having doubts. You start having questions, and they come, don't they? If they come to you sometimes, would you just shake your head? Let me know I'm not the only one. That I'm not crazy. Sometimes you'll have a thought come into your mind, where did that come from? You know, we've been preaching the reality of heaven and believing in it for years, and sometimes the thought will come, man, I haven't ever seen heaven. Is it really there? Well, according to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it is. Because this one who was raised from the dead, you know what he promised the disciples a few days before that? He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he said that if, if this idea of heaven wasn't true, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare this place for you. And if I prepare it for you, what's he going to do? He says, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a promise. What a promise. And you know what happened? A little over three days after he made that promise, he was raised from the dead. Just maybe he really is preparing a place for us. You think he is? Just maybe he's going to come again one of these days. What am I saying? Just maybe. Certainly he's preparing a place for us. Certainly he'll come again and receive us to himself. To where he is, there we may be also. And he promises, we don't know how to get there, Lord. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The good news is, anyone can come to the Father through him. You know, because Jesus lives, because he's risen from the dead, we know that he is Messiah and Savior and God. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Because Jesus lives, he changes lives. He changed those apostles from Guys who were cowering in an upper room with the doors locked, and maybe they had the lights out too, I don't know, into a force that changed the world. Because he's alive, the forgiveness that he offers to us for our sins is real. 
You really can be right with God this morning. I don't know what you've done. God knows. But he's ready to receive you to himself through what he did for Christ on the cross and prove through the resurrection. And lastly, because Jesus is risen from the dead, our faith in him for now, for today, walking by faith, and our faith for eternity, when we leave this world behind, it's on a solid foundation. It's worthwhile to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to repent of your sin, take him as your Savior. If you're in that condition today, man, you've got great reason for rejoicing. If you're not yet there, I would encourage you, put your trust in Christ today. Repent of your sin. Take Jesus as your Savior. If you're not sure, would you make sure this morning? You can talk to God right where you're at. We're going to sing a prayer.